Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. Hey, good morning, everyone. Well, you can tell I'm coming to you from outside, right in front of the sanctuary. This is the very place that I speak at the 1045 service. And at 1045, well, people will be sitting all the way out here in the parking lot out front. Why am I coming to you from outside? Well, outside is where reality happens. I mean, inside the church, you know, when we used to meet inside before COVID, we, we would love each other and encourage each other. And maybe inside your home, everything is nice, kind, and rosy, full of love, right? Well, I hope it is. But outside is where reality hits us and where life hits us right in the face or right in the heart. Let me ask you a question. Do you know anyone who's a little bit angry? Do you know anybody who's a lot bit angry? Do you know anyone who's over the top angry? Hey, if you do and you're online at eight o'clock, would you just go ahead and and type yes in the comment section on live stream and Facebook live? Yes, I know someone who's angry and it might even be you. You might want to say, yes, it's me. Well, maybe not. I'm curious, are any of you battling with deep feelings of anger? Are you easily agitated in this season? Now, I hope and pray you don't get angry at me as we go through this message, but I've rated this message R, 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 for risky, because I want to talk to you about the emotion of anger. As I get into this message, let me quote from Pete Scazzaro in Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. He talks to us about identifying our negative emotions such as anger or fear. Often, he says, Christians think that they're not allowed to have any of these emotions because we must be as Jesus is, all forgiving and all loving. But this ignores crucial parts of the human experiences, which God wants us to have. The human experience includes pain and anger. And when we ignore these, we deny God the chance to come into it and work with us. Scazzaro also warns of the negative side effects of not dealing with our emotions of anger and fear properly. He calls it leaking. Maybe you've experienced this, where someone is overwhelmed and they bottle up their emotions, but yet their emotions leak out. We can easily misdirect our anger or frustration onto a person who probably doesn't deserve it. Or if they deserve some of it, we probably give them too much. Someone says, I leak with sarcasm. Another person posted online, I leak with passive aggressive emails or text. Someone else has said, it protects me and my emotions from dealing with what is making me angry, which might involve an uncomfortable confrontation and or an apology. In today's climate, This message is, again, risky, and I pray and hope that you won't be angry with me. But if you are, that's okay, as long as you learn something, especially from God's Word and how Jesus himself dealt with anger. So here's my disclaimer. I have no agenda except to speak to you in a relevant manner as we deal with the emotion of anger. Here's a question. Is it a sin to be angry? Is it a sin to be angry? Now, here comes a backhoe right down the street in front of the church. And I could be angry because, well, it's going by and he's actually slowing down. 
But again, the reality of being outside is the reality of life. We can't control everything or the passing cars or someone who's walking by at the alley right now who just waved at me. I'm going to wave back because that's the way life is. It is a sin to be angry. No, it's not. The answer is clear. It's not a sin to be angry. Anger can very quickly, though, lead to unproductive and very destructive sins in our life if we're not careful. Let me take you to the words of the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 and 27. And here's what he said. In your anger, do not sin. Now, he didn't say sin is an anger. He said, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Don't let your anger lead you to something that would be inappropriate or against God or against his word. Don't harbor bitterness in your soul. It will hurt and eventually just leak out. Do not give the devil a foothold. Now, the the word uh, foothold in the Greek means a place or how about this word, a room. Imagine you trying to keep the devil out of your house and then cracking the door open or leaving a window open or, or worse yet, locking your house, but taping the key to the front door on the front door. It'd be inviting the devil in to a place. Don't give him any room. And Paul is careful to say that if we allow anger to grow and become sin, we will give the devil a foothold. Now, I know some people that are climbers. You, you, you might be one. They love to climb, uh, little, little cracks with their fingers and little spots for their feet to get in so they can climb the side of a mountain. Well, the devil is really good. He's a climber. If you give him a foothold, he will scale the mountain of your heart. He'll scale the mountain of your marriage, the mountain of your relationships, the mountain of your ministry and your witness. If you give him a foothold, And I believe it's one of the reasons our country right now is hurting at so many levels. We have given the enemy a foothold and he's scaling the walls of our country. It could be part of the reason why so many marriages are struggling because they've given the devil a foothold because of anger that they've allowed into their household. And if we're not careful, our unrighteous anger could compromise the witness of the church. So I want to take you to Matthew 21. And as you go to Matthew 21, here's the background. Jesus was entering into Jerusalem right before the Passover. In the first century, essentially every Jew in the Roman Empire would travel to Jerusalem during these eight days of Passover. And they would make sacrifices to God for their sins. According to the Jewish historian Josephus, normally Jerusalem would have about 40,000 people, kind of like the size of Lompoc. But when Passover came, there would be easily be 250,000 or more. And some people would come and go into Jerusalem during the eight days of Passover. So there could be, well, a million people or so passing through Jerusalem. And this is the last week, you may recall, of Jesus's life. He's on the way to the cross and he knows what he's about to do. And as he comes into the temple, he saw greed. He saw hypocrisy. He saw abuse. 
He saw the father's house not being a house of prayer, but being a house where people were swindled out of money. So Jesus did something that's out of the ordinary for Jesus. In his righteous anger, now notice what I said, righteous anger, not sinful anger, but in his righteousness, Jesus comes and turns over the tables. Let me read you from Matthew 21, verse 12, 13, and 14. Here's what it says. Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those who were selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of robbers. Now, there's an interesting part to the end of this passage, and I want you to see these words. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple, and he healed them. In one picture, we see him noticing the greed and the abuse. In one picture, we see him upset and telling the money changers, get out, and he throws their table over. And contrasted to that is the next movement. And the next movement is this, the blind and the lame who were coming to the temple needed to be healed. You see, the blind and the lame, no doubt, didn't have the funds to purchase the doves for sacrifice. And what was happening here was there was this incredible mistreatment of the people. Now, if you ever travel, travel to foreign countries, you understand there's a money exchange. You, you give them your American dollars and they give you the currency of wherever it is you're going. And there's always a, a usury fee, a, a small fee attached to it for the privilege of having it. If you ever use a PayPal, you understand there's a small fee for using it. And if you use credit cards and you pay interest, you understand there's a large fee. And some would call that usury. Well, in this case, someone came in with, you know, $10 of their currency and they tried to get $10 of temple money. But instead, they were being charged four, five, and six times. Some Bible scholars say that the doves cost about four pence, but they were selling them for 75 pence. So just think of the blind and the lame, not having the money to change over or not having enough to even pay for the doves for sacrifice. People were being mistreated. And we know about Jesus. He loved people. He loved people who were nothing like him and people who were nothing like Jesus loved Jesus. He touched the lepers. He forgave the sinners. He healed the people who could do nothing for him in return. That's the kind of savior that we have. So I want you to see number one, number one, Jesus was angry on behalf of those who were mistreated. Now check this out. Jesus wasn't offended at what somebody said to him or did to him. But his heart was breaking over the mistreatment of those who were simply coming to honor the law and sacrificing to God for their sins. So let me ask you a question. And those of you online, you, you, you can respond. Just type yes if you agree and if you think it's true. Do you think Jesus was ever betrayed? What do you, what do you think? 
Do you think he was ever criticized? If the answer is yes, just, just type yes. Yes, he was. Do you think anybody showed hatred towards Jesus? Do you think he was ever hated? What's your answer? Do you think he was ever unjustly persecuted? What's your answer? Yes or no? Now, in all of these, he never got angry when someone criticized him. He, he never grew angry when someone disagreed with him. He never grew, grew angry when he was ill-treated. Or if he was here today, when someone posted something about him, what would Jesus do? Well, let me say this. Jesus got angry when others were hurt and mistreated. He didn't get angry when he was hurt. He didn't get angry when he was mistreated, but others were mistreated. I love what Pastor uh, Craig Groeschel says. He says, we need to do an anger audit, an audit of our anger. You look into your own heart and you ask yourself some questions. What is it that makes you angry nowadays? Where is it that you're carrying a grudge? Where is it that you're easily agitated? Where do you find yourself on the inside being extra critical of maybe some group of people or maybe even a little bit hateful when you are trying to be loving? Where is it? Well, don't worry if you didn't get those written down. We're going to go ahead and post them on Facebook for you and also on our live stream. Uh, they'll be there for you as well. But do an audit to see where is it that you're being angry in this season. Let's say they lie about you. They mistreat you. They gossip about you and you hear about it second, third, fourth, fifth hand. Of course, by then it's all been changed. Or they make up a story or somebody betrays you. How do you respond? Scripture's really clear to those of you who are followers of Christ that when someone wrongs us, we are called not to a place of revenge, not to a place of hatred or to a place of cursing. Actually, we're called to pray for our enemies and love those who persecute us. Ouch, that is some deep stuff. That's some deep truth. How do I forgive someone who hurts me? Well, the scripture teaches we forgive just as Christ forgave us. Now, if you don't know all the details to this story, I've given you enough to know that Jesus was hurting over the mistreatment of others, how they marked everything up, how they made it so difficult for people to simply come and sacrifice for their sins. Now, if you've ever been to a pro sporting event, whether it's hockey or football or baseball, you all know one thing. <laughs> Sodas cost way too much. I mean, you can buy a can of soda for like a buck. They want eight, nine, ten dollars for a soda at a sporting event. Usury. <laughs> we should all be angry about that. Well, maybe not. Or a hot dog, for crying out loud. You ever buy a hot dog at a sporting event? I mean, you can buy a whole case of hot dogs for that kind of money. But one commentary described it this way. Jesus was deeply pained, angered over the mistreatment of others, the usury that was going on in the middle of this season. But what does he do? Well, Pastor Albert Tate, pastors down in Monrovia, California, here's what he said. When Jesus got angry, he flipped tables, but he didn't flip people. <laughs> Well, we know he told the people to leave, 
but he didn't flip them. He could have got them in some kind of a, a jujitsu move and thrown them out the door, but Jesus doesn't do that. He flips the table rather than flipping people. I'll just leave it there. But we understand sometimes people get, get flipped. You fill in the blank. Hey, when Jesus got angry, number two, he flipped tables, but he didn't flip people. He flipped tables, but not people. Now, what does this mean, he flipped tables? Well, he came against the system that supported the hypocrisy. It was at that very table that people were used, that the money exchange was illegal. It was at the tables that the doves were placed and given to people. So Jesus comes in and the, the table is a symbolism of the system that was broken and he overturned the system. When Jesus turned the table, he disrupted the system that perpetuated the injustice. He didn't attack the people. He didn't beat the people up. I mean, Jesus could have called out and a thousand followers could have shown up and just ripped these people to shreds. He flipped the table, but he didn't flip the people. Hey, let's be led by the spirit of God and not led by our flesh. Let's be wise and let's be careful because the truth is whenever we feel strongly about something, it's so easy to translate that into a perspective of righteous posture. In other words, I feel that I'm right because I'm, well, this is my opinion and this is my stance and I'm right. And with that kind of place of being right, it's easy then to have anger towards anyone that disagrees with us in any way, shape or form. So many people in their effort to be right have forgotten to be loving. Let me say it again. It's one of the most powerful statements I could make today. So many people in their effort to be right have forgotten to be loving. It was the Apostle Paul who said these words in 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is, come on, let's say it together. Love, it's the greatest of these. Make sure that when we're angry, we don't let it convert to an unrighteous anger that justifies unloving behavior. Here's a great statement. Our goal, our goal as Christians is not just to be right. Our goal as Christians is to always be loving. Have you allowed anger in any way, shape, or form to rise in you where you are withholding your love from people? Where you're not just saying, oh, it's okay to have my opinion. And we can agree to disagree, but it moves into an unloving posture where we start taking things personally. It's easy to say, but it's so hard to live. We're going to be angry. But if we're going to be angry, let's be angry on behalf of others. We're not going to flip people but we'll flip the tables. And the third thing I want you to see is when Jesus got angry, he loved and healed those who were hurting. Remember at the end of this section, this narrative, Matthew 21, 14, the blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. Watch this. Here he is angry. He sends out the money changers and those who were using people he flips over the tables and he's quick to turn to those that are blind and lame and to heal them. In other words, the anger didn't permeate his being in such a way where he couldn't do the ministry God had called him to do. 
Man, as I was studying for this, and I just said it to you, man, my heart starts to race because I know times where, where, and excuse me for this, where my anger rises and it's hard for me to go from an angry position on my, 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 my side over here and then turn to someone who has a need and just forget that I was angry a second before and give them my very best love. It's hard to do. The answer is that Jesus was moving out of a heart of love in everything that he did. Now, he knows these people don't have the resources. I know I'm repeating myself, but on purpose. And sometimes we can look at people that don't have what we would expect them to have, or they're not able to provide what we expect them to provide, and we can write them off. But Jesus didn't do that. Actually, he reaches out in love and he heals them. Who is Jesus? <laughs> He's the son of God who came to seek and save those that are lost. He didn't come for the healthy. He came for the sick. He didn't come for the righteous. He came for the sinners. He came to show the love of God. We would never be able to fully understand who God is and how he loves us, loves us if it were not for Jesus coming to earth. I mean, God is just too enormous. So he puts himself into humanity, very much God, very much man. And what does he do? He shows us the Father's heart. Jesus even said these words, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you hear me speak, you've heard the Father because I only do and say what the Father tells me to say. What made him angry was anything that separated people from the love of his Father. Let me say this one again. What made Jesus angry? Anything that separated him from the love of the Father. Do you feel the same way? When you get angry, and you will, don't sin. See, here's spiritual maturity. It is to grow beyond being easily offended and not get angry on behalf of ourselves. To, to grow beyond being easily offended and to not to grow angry on behalf of ourselves. Again, Jesus was angry on behalf of the others who were being mistreated. I'm thankful for those who are wise enough to fight against racism and stand for our military and the good men and women who are our police and our firemen and our first responders and those who serve to protect us every day. I'm thankful that as Jesus followers in this big global church full of diverse people, that we can be unified and we can be angry about the injustices done to others and we can work together to solve problems. Now, in the last few weeks, I've had six different emails asking me to join with people who are out there doing good. They want to do good for our community and for our county. Pastor Bernie, we need your help. We want you to come to this meeting or do this Zoom meeting or do this or do that. And you know what I know? We cannot do everything that is good, but we can all find something to do that is good and that fights against the injustices around us. We have people in our church that are very, very influential and fight hard for the unborn and are very pro-life, as I am. And we must fight for those who are suffering with mental illness. And someone else might say, I'm going to fight for those to see people freed from human trafficking. And others might fight to help people find clean drinking water around the world. And some might fight to respect different colors and ethnicities. We all have to fight against the evils. 
When someone is being mistreated, we need to raise ourselves up and say, I'm angry about that. We need to be angry about that because God is angry about that. But again, we can't do it all, but we can be a church and we can be people who are united and not divided. You know, there's some people still working hard at the cancel culture. They want to cancel things. I just got an email the other day that my alma mater, John Burroughs High School in Burbank, California, home of the Indians, they're trying to cancel the Indian mascot. Now, I'm not here to say good or bad about that, but people are concerned. They think it's a disrespect to the Indians. Now, if you've got Indian heritage, you might feel that way too. I, I don't know. They tried to remove the Braves, Lompoc Braves before, and the Conquistadors from Cabrillo High School. Well, everybody wants to do something, but here's what I do know. What can we do that's good and right? Oh, speaking of cancel, yeah, I know what the Lord did for me. Colossians 2, 13 and 15, yeah, he canceled. He didn't cancel me, he canceled my sin. For he, God, forgave all of our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. Wow, you want to talk about cancel culture? He canceled our sins and all of the ramifications of sin. And when he went to the cross, he took our shame with him. It goes on to say, in this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He didn't cancel me, but he canceled my sins. Hey, you might want to say hallelujah too. Yeah. And when we get angry, when we get angry and we will, let's remember our spiritual enemy who's out there to steal, kill, and destroy, who wants to rob you of your joy, who wants to rob our relationships of the love of God. And Jesus didn't say above all else, be right with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. No, nope. he said, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Hey, dear ones, we're gonna get angry, but let's get angry like Jesus. We're not gonna be characterized by our anger. We need to be characterized by our love. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray in a world where it's so tempting and so easy to let our anger out that we may even start being angry at something that is a real injustice and something that is not right, and that is good. But I pray, God, that you would protect us from sinning in our anger. Help us to be angry like Jesus, your son, not even in what happens to us, but on behalf of others, never flipping people, but always using what we have to make a difference in this world. God, help us as your church not to be known by what we're against, but what we're for. Never to be known by our hatred or the walls that we would put up or the lines that we would create, but help us to be known like Jesus, the one who crossed lines for us, that we would cross lines as well with your love. And lastly, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, let me tell you about someone who doesn't want to cancel you, but cancel all of your sins. Ask him to forgive you. Ask him to be your Lord and Savior, and then rise up and start following him. And you could even tell us 
online, or you can email us at office at lompocfoursquare.com. We want to help you get started on your journey. There's a lot to be angry about, but may it not be at people. May it be because how people are being treated. There's a lot to be angry about, but in our world now, our world needs love like never before. May you love others with the love of Christ. And may you always know that Jesus Christ loves you. And so do we. Have a great day and have a great week. May God richly bless you. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.